everyone, welcome back to the online ministry of Grace Baptist Church. We're in a series right now called The Unstuck Life. And we've been saying that some people are stuck because they've never heard or only believe part of the gospel message. Others never learn to connect to God's power in their lives. And some people figure out the receiving part, but not the sharing. We're convinced that the path to the unstuck life is believe, connect, share. And we hope that God leads you along that path as we look at the Bible together. Christopher Langan has been called the smartest man in the world. <laughs> Anyone with an IQ above 160 is considered a genius. Langan is next level. His IQ is estimated somewhere between 195 and 210. That's almost double that of an average person. In high school, he spent most of his time in independent study. He taught himself advanced math, physics, philosophy, Latin, and Greek. When he wrote the SAT, he got a perfect score, despite the fact that he fell asleep during the exam. <laughs> but he struggled to translate all of that brilliance into success. He dropped out of university because he felt he could teach his professors more than they could teach him. He then worked as a construction worker, a forest ranger, a rancher, and spent 20 years as a bouncer on Long Island, making just enough money to live with his cat and his Harley Davidson in a one-room cabin. Not exactly the career path someone would expect for someone that brilliant. Malcolm Gladwell wrote about him in his book Outliers and said a big part of the problem was that he never had a community to help him capitalize on his gifts. Then he summarized the lesson of Langan's life like this. He had to make his way alone and no one, not rock stars, not professional athletes, not software billionaires, and not even geniuses ever makes it alone. Have you learned that lesson? I would add to Gladwell's list the word Christian as well. Christians never make it alone. They never thrive on their own. It's something that we all need to learn, but the church is a place that's uniquely equipped to help us. The church is a community where we all contribute who we are and where we do things that none of us could have ever done alone. But many people don't see it that way. They approach Christianity the way that Langan approached life. They see their own abilities the way that he saw his intelligence. And as a result, their lives lack the purpose and satisfaction they were created to enjoy. I don't want that for any of you. So let's look at a passage today that will help us to see our lives in a different light. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12 verse 14. If you don't have a Bible, you can just click on the link for today's passage in the description below. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 14 to 27. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. 
The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is the word of God. Now, I can't help but think that this is a passage that would have helped Christopher Langan. And I think we all need to come to terms with it. What I want you to hear is why we need each other. And specifically, why we need you to do your thing. The first reason is that it isn't a solo performance. The church dies when we treat it like a seminar. We can't be what God has designed us to be if you don't play your part. And so we need you to do your thing because this isn't a solo performance. Now, Paul starts in verse 14 with these words. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. The body is one of Paul's favorite metaphors for the church. The church is like a body, but not just any body. As a church, we come together as Jesus's body. We, 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 we take on his hands and feet. We are his representatives in a world. And he's continuing his ministry through us today. But he's saying that the body doesn't just have one member. Church isn't just a preacher with some sidekicks. It's not just a great band with some roadies. If you saw a body with just one body part, you wouldn't call that a body at all. That's just a severed limb. That's gross. And that's Paul's point. That's a horrible distortion of the church. And yet, that's how we're picturing the church when we see it as a place to sit once a week. That's how we're seeing it when we don't serve. That's what we're saying when we never ask, what can I do? What's my contribution here? The people Paul was addressing in Corinth had a problem that you may have felt. They didn't think there was a role for them because... Well, they didn't preach and they weren't musical. Paul showed them how that misunderstood the nature of the church as a body. In verse 15, he pictures a, a talking foot complaining that it doesn't belong because it's not a hand. Obviously, you need feet and hands. Or in verse 16, he's like, if an ear says I'm not an eye, so I don't belong here, that wouldn't make it any less of a body part. Again, that's crazy. And yet we often think this way. We see other people do things that we can't do, and it just makes us feel inadequate. But it's a fact that we're different that actually makes us valuable. It's terrible trying to eat with your feet, but they can sure help you run. It's impossible to try to see with your ears, but they sure help you hear. There are probably lots of things that you're not good at. But God has designed you to make a contribution here. And it's what's unique about you that makes you so invaluable. God has given you some of the gifts of mercy, some of you gifts of mercy and compassion. 
He's equipped others of you to encourage and build people up in their faith. There are people who are gifted in connecting and sharing the gospel with non-Christians. Some of you like hands-on service. Others are great with people. Some of you think big and others are more detail-oriented. On our own, we can't do much. But together, the whole body comes alive. The flip side, obviously, is that we limp when you don't step up. Without your contribution, we're like a one-legged runner. That's why in verse 17, Paul says, If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? Or if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? I know from people who have told me what it's like to lose their hearing. It's a huge loss. With COVID, many people have lost their sense of smell. They can't smell flowers or freshly baked cookies anymore. But without smell, food doesn't taste the same either. When a body part doesn't function, the whole body feels it. And the point is, there's a vital contribution that only you can make. And when you don't make it, we're not the church we were intended to be. As long as you think church is something that a handful of people do to you and you sit on the sidelines waiting to receive, we are a handicapped church. We do what we can and people will try to compensate for where we lack, but it's not what we could be. We need you. Church isn't a solo performance. And we also need you because you're one of the missing pieces. Sometimes the, the problem isn't that you're not willing to make a contribution, it's that people don't value what you can do. Pride can get in the way of the church body functioning properly, but we need you. You're one of the missing pieces. Listen to what Paul says in verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. He's picturing a proud eye boasting, it doesn't need the hand. And then a head having an imaginary conversation with the feet as if to say, you're so beneath me. Now, whether these represent the visionaries and the leaders of the congregation, or some of the wealthy power brokers in the church who are forming their own little clique and excluding others at the Lord's Supper in chapter 11, the message is the same. People who are talented can sometimes overlook their neediness. This was part of Christopher Langan's downfall. People with accomplishments can start to look down on the role that others in the body play. People with leadership gifts or who tend to be upfront can sometimes think it is a solo performance and send the message they don't want your contribution. But that's how the church dies. That's how we stop functioning as a family. And it's how we all lose our effectiveness. That's why he says in verse 22, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. If you're a ministry leader, it's crucial that you listen to the people on your team. It's vital that you value the contribution that others are trying to make. Don't go down the path of Christopher Langan. Don't think that you're so smart that you've got all the answers. Don't let yourself believe you're so capable you can get it done on your own. This isn't just a problem in the church. Researchers have identified what they call the too much talent effect. <laughs> They've actually analyzed professional sports teams, especially basketball and soccer. And they found that 
Talented players help teams to win, but only up to a point. After a certain number, too many star players actually detract from the teamwork and cost the team effectiveness. We all need each other. And if you've been made to think that your contribution isn't valued here, that's our fault, not yours. And we need to hear that. In fact, Paul makes the point that with a body, it's the private parts that get the clothing and special attention. <laughs> That's what he's saying anyway in verse 23. He says, Our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. Do you get it? Nobody wears underwear on their head. And his point is that people's behind-the-scenes contribution should be honored and valued. Now, I can say that God has gifted our congregation with amazing people who work behind the scenes to serve you. People who help with our finances, edit our videos, manage our social media, maintain our property and reach our community. They do work that we're all blessed by, but only God sees. And we need more of them. And if I could be really practical, there are just some basic things that you could do to be one of them. The first is just putting up your hand when we ask for help. We can't even function on a Sunday morning without people stepping forward to help in small ways. And if you've never put up your hand, the assumption is you're not able or you're not interested. The second thing you can do is look around and see what's missing. Who could we reach with your contribution? How could we be more effective with your help? I don't have the spiritual gift of reading your mind. So if you only wait to be asked, you may never make the impact that you were designed to have. The third thing I say is to just offer yourself. I've been blessed by people who have come to me and said, Paul, this is something that I do. And if you ever see a need for that, I'd be happy to, to help. I'd be happy to invest in that. Now, that doesn't mean I can think of something on the spot. I might just make a mental note of that and join you in looking for opportunities. But sometimes that's a start. The bottom line is that if you're not serving, you're just a severed limb and we're limping without you. You're a missing puzzle piece and we can't finish without your contribution. So we need you because this isn't a solo performance and because you're one of the missing pieces. But finally, we need you because that's how God changes the world. And for me, this is what's so exciting about this passage. Because what you see is that we're not just a random group of people who have gathered here. God put each one of us in this body to impact our world uniquely as we come together in service. We need you because that's how God changes the world. Now in verse 18, I want you to notice how Paul describes God's design. He says, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. So that means that God created you to be the person you are. He's given you the gifts and the talent and the abilities you possess. He's given you the passion and experience and personality that you have. And he puts you in this body of believers on purpose. You're here for a reason, and God has a plan for your contribution. But God's plan for you and your involvement in this church 
goes beyond the direct effect of the ministry you serve in. When we serve together, something bigger happens. Look at verses 24 and 25. It says, God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. Did you hear it? In the church, God brings together a group of people who would never ordinarily spend time with each other. People with different backgrounds and interests. People with different politics and pastimes. People with different economic and ethnic backgrounds. People with vastly different abilities. And he brings us together in a mission where we need one another, where every person is crucial and we're forced to rely on each other to do what we're called to do. But when we do, we begin to appreciate things in each other that we wouldn't have otherwise seen. We really see one another. We value each other. And as we do, God brings a deep and profound unity. The divisions that we bring with us from the world are healed. And we present a vision of unity that our polarized world doesn't understand. People in the world seek unity within their own culture or within their own friends, or their own political leanings. God unites people in the church who are diverse in almost every way, but we bond through our commitment to Jesus Christ and our mutual need for one another. But that comes as we serve. Now, Paul gives another result of our service in verse 25. He says, that the members may have the same care for one another. We develop care for each other as we minister to one another. As I do my part and you do your part, and we lean on each other's gifts and abilities, our concern for each other grows. We learn where the other person struggles. We begin to see the needs. We feel the joy of people's ministry in our lives, and that only makes us want to give more. As verse 26 says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Can you see how a community like this would have helped Christopher Langan? How would his life have been different if he could have learned that his amazing talents are only part of a whole? If he could have seen how he needs others and seen the power in listening and asking for help? If he could have learned to harness his intelligence to meet people's needs and seen his capacity for love and compassion grow in the process. The reality is that this is what we all need. The church is how God changes the world. And I get excited when I see this happening in our midst. In just the last month, I've heard from people at Grace initiating outreach to senior, seniors, outreach to immigrants, ministry to people in need. Many of you expressed deep appreciation for the daily lessons of the Unstuck Life course. And it's a wonder that a church of our size can pull something like that off with all of the different pieces that go into it. And there are dozens and dozens of ways that I see people care, love, and serve one another in powerful and meaningful ways. We are the body of Christ. But I also need to say our body's limping and there are parts that are tired and aching. The fact is that there are people in our congregation who sacrifice their time and resources 
in ways that are unexplainable. They keep signing up for overtime and double shifts because, because others just won't come forward. God sees what they do and he will reward them for their faithfulness. But the fact is, when one arm has to do the work of two, injuries happen and the work isn't as effective. There's another arm somewhere that needs to come forward. But it isn't just some body parts that are tired from overwork. There's ministry that goes undone because people are sitting on the sidelines. I'm the one who ends up sitting with a ministry leader when we need to scale back or shut down what we're doing because people won't volunteer or people won't lead. I'm the one who takes the call when a person doesn't feel supported or cared for. And it's not because our church doesn't care. We do. Usually it's because there are too many people sitting on the sidelines. Sometimes that's because they see the church as a solo performance where they receive but never give. But often it's more complicated than that. Often it's because they're stuck. And that's what our series has been all about. They're stuck because they haven't fully come to terms with the gospel. Or they're stuck because they're not connecting to God's power in their lives. They've never fully embraced commitment because they've never fully embraced Jesus. You won't act like a member of the body of Christ if you haven't fully trusted in Christ. So if you haven't yet, let me urge you to come to him. He's the one who energizes all that we do. It's his sacrifice in our lives that make us want to give our lives for others. It's in a relationship with him that I first understand how needy I am. But it's in trusting him that I learn to meet the needs of others. Come to Jesus in faith. And if you have, take up your part in the body. We need you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for providing exactly what we need. There's a bit of Christopher Langan in each one of us. We often choose to go it alone and to live life on the basis of what we can do on our, on, our, on our own. Help us to give ourselves to others. Help us to take what you have uniquely put in our lives and share it. Give it away. Give ourselves to uh, the people and, uh, and ministries that you would lay on our hearts. And Father, for anyone who hasn't learned to give, help them to see Jesus, the one who gave everything, the one who gave his life for us, that we might have life. And in him, come to experience the joy of following him and giving their lives away. We ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I hope this message has helped you to see your place in the body of Christ and why you're so needed. If you have an idea of how you can serve or if you'd like to know where you might fit, send me an email or leave a comment below. If you'd like to know more about a relationship with Jesus, let's talk about it. If you think this is a message that others need to hear, share the link and help spread the word. As always, for more messages of hope, visit gracebc.ca. God bless and see you next time.